Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting on 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 217. It's been an international break in MLS, a lot of good action to take in. Canada won, America lost, Scotland won. Pretty good weekend, I think. Anyway, I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And I'm Anna Namsharan. And it's the first time we have a foursome in the studio. Same foursome that was on the show a couple of weeks ago, but Zach was on the telephone. So this time we're going to be bringing you lots of Whitecaps chat about the season so far. Some high points, some low lights, what may lie in store. We're going to hear from Whitecaps residency coach Robert Earnshaw. And we are playing our new game show, Caps Countdown, which is either going to be a glorious success and everyone's going to want to be a part of it, or we'll never do it ever again. But for that special show, I've got everyone to to bring a mascot along with them this week, just to kind of help the show go really smoothly and, and to bring them good luck in the game show element. So, Zach, what did you bring along as your good luck mascot? I brought a, uh, with me the uh, Scarif Stormtrooper from uh, Rogue One, the Lego minifigure. Was that because WFC2 had their Star Wars day? No, it's because actually the, the Whitecaps, uh, I don't know if you heard, they're happy to announce that they're opening a new youth academy on Scarif. Oh, excellent. Yeah, they thought all the running on the sand on the beach would be, you know, help, help fin- develop fantastic. players. Fantastic. And, and the heat as well is going to be good for the playoffs c- come the summer. Great. I mean, Anna, what, what have you brought as a mascot with you? Uh, today, I decided to bring uh, the Euro trophy, Euro 2016 trophy with me. Wow, that must have been really hard to get out your car and into the studio. Let, let's have a look at it. Uh, okay, so it's miniature. It's a, it's a keychain. Ah, okay. It's it's still, a keychain. It still works. It's I thought, but nobody can see this, right? So it was impressive. Not, not yet. <laughs> we are working on maybe doing something a little bit special later in the show, but we'll see. But great to bring that along. Probably the closest any of us will maybe get to it. Uh, Steve, what what did you bring along as your mascot? I brought uh, a foosball soccer ball. Excellent. No uh, For my kids, spent. my kids' first foosball. Oh. Mini foosball thing. Uh, broke it within two weeks. Excellent. And this is all that remains. Oh. <laughs> well, it's a nice little souvenir to yeah. have. I've brought a special momentum along with me. You might think that 
I came here in 2007. I think I've mentioned it a, a few times over the course of the show. But I actually have a secret life before that. I, I was here back in 1994 when the, the World Cup was on in America. And I just brought a little souvenir for that. I'll just get it out of my bag. And as usual, Michael. Oh, <laughs> what is it? oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a photo of me as the Soccer America's Hero of the Week after my great performance for the Yanks. Someone said, so you've been capped? Yeah, I've, I've been capped by the States. Did you get to keep that top? Um, no, oh. and I had to give the trophy back as well. But <laughs> Is that your ball? No, and the ball, I had to give that back. But s- slightly more hair in, in those days. And no facial hair. No, it's cl- clean cut. You just moved the hair. I, I did, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a nice way of looking at it. That's Optimist Union. That's why we have brought her on. So I'll, I'll keep this up just to remind everyone of... How beautiful yeah, how, how beautiful you used how to be. How wonderful I was back in 1994. You, you have a different beauty now, Michael. It's inward. <laughs> and there's more hair, too. Bit sad, of course, to see them lose during the week. You're joking, right? Of course I'm joking. I, I was jumping in hoops. I did get a message from someone who will remain nameless saying, why do you want America to lose? Because surely it would be good for MLS and thus the Caps if America did well and qualified. Would it be good? Would it be bad? Would it benefit Canada? I don't think so. There's no benefit to Canada. Uh, Canada, of course, did win 2-0 against the Jamaican boys. Alfonso Davies bringing new meaning to the phrase Canada Red. Wait, Jamaica? Well, she kind of went off her own accord. Scotland won, got themselves back into the mix for qualifying for Russia. So did Wales. And as a little nod to Wales, we have Wales' premier rap band coming up later uh, in Wavelength. So did you say Wales and rap band together? Yeah, their premier rap band. Goldie looking chain. You may know them for their their big smash hits, "Guns Don't Kill People," "Rappers Do," and "Your Mother's Got a Penis." I, I, oh man, are, are they part of the of the Welsh rap, uh, the Welsh Premier Rap League? Yes, they're, they're from Newport, and obviously the Caps were in Newport pre-season, so it, it all ties in. You, you'll you'll love it, and I've got a great story about the penis song as well coming up. No, you. yeah, no, we don't need that. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> why, why would you save this for when Anna's here? I, I thought, Anna's here, I'll bring the song by the band that talks about stuff like that. So we're going to kick off this show with a little bit of Whitecaps roundtable discussion. Looking at the season to date, bye week, few weeks left of the season. Are you happy right now? Are you confident that the squad is playoff bound? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you a rose-coloured eyeball version I'm looking forward to the future. I think Excellent. I think we can make the playoffs. I think we have the pieces that can make the playoffs. What happens beyond that is a question mark to me. <laughs> but <laughs> Usually uh, is. I think we can get there. I think we have the pieces to get there for sure. Um I I think they're going to I think they are will make the playoffs, but they're going to ha- it's going to be one hell of a ride um getting there. Um I don't think they're going to back I in. Think? They're not going to back in like they used to like they did in the a couple seasons ago, but it's 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 more like the, I I feel like they're gonna 
they're just going to go up and down like they have been all year. There's going to be little consistency, and they're just going to they're going to win when you expect them to when you don't expect them to win, and they're going to lose when you expect them to win. So I think it's going to be one of those years. It's going to continue on. Are you going to let them use that false narrative of backing in? I know how much you hated it that the year. I don't think we backed. In. I don't think we backed in either. The way people perceive we backed. Yes, in. that's the North American way yeah, of yeah. looking at it. Yeah. I I think it, it's a kind of a different uh, era within the MLS era. There used to be like these publicly stated these are our goals. They know they know well, the football this, committee this is no 3. longer 3.0 baby. Well, the football committee no longer does that because we have tr- struggled to meet and go past any of those expectations and so it it, it kind of feels like the the expectation is just be good enough to get in the playoffs and hopefully be in good form to have a run. So if you if that is their expectation, then they're probably exceeding it right now, being fourth in the table. And the thing is, the teams that are below them right now, I don't have very much confidence in them making the playoffs. No, I like the LA, I think is out. San yeah. Jose is is struggling, although they have a win here and there. Uh, but I don't see them played more have, games than a lot of teams yeah. now. And then FC Dallas is just dropping yeah. right now. So and Houston really doesn't have a home. Seems like uh, even before the hurricane, they really didn't have a home. So uh, it it. Well, they were they were well, they excellent at home. I know, but I mean, I mean, they, they didn't they didn't get much support. Oh, it was home, lots so. of empty seats. Yeah, yeah. empty seats. So I, I think that the teams below them and just above them are kind of would be struggling too. So it's it's kind of seems like it's a ripe time for them to make the playoffs and possibly even get one of the top four spots. Well, looking at that, how important do you feel it is to get one of the top two spots and to get a buy? In the past, you're talking about extra weeks recovery, blah, blah, blah. But do you feel that that would kill a little bit of momentum? Or with the the dates being so close together this year, does it not really matter? Would you rather the team had a first-round thing, or would you rather they were just guaranteed to, to get a home tie in the next round? I think you always want to be guaranteed, right? Like, uh, yeah, the, the, the playoff... Days are, are yeah are so close, so it's not yeah. that it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I think it's like an extra four days or something, if, if memory serves correct. But it, uh, yeah, that's not important. I think they would much rather be one or two for obvious reasons, including the having a, a home date in the second leg. Although although that obviously didn't go well the only time that's happened, yeah. but still. I mean, th- th- there's a question for you then, Anna. Does it matter about home field advantage the way that the West is this year? Everyone's beating everyone on at home, on the road. I've always been a guy, and we talked about this before, I like to have the second leg at home. Now I actually think it's better for the team to have the first leg at home than know what you have to do on the road, nicking away goal, and then just play a great counter-attack in, in game. Do you feel home field advantage will even come into it in the Whitecaps' point of view? Yeah, unfortunately, we haven't really um, experienced the home field advantage lately, especially um, tying with our rivals on our home pitch. So it hasn't really played in as an advantage for us. But I think um, I think there's a certain uh, there's a certain energy around it when you are at home and you know what you need to get done, and and it's palpable. You can feel it when you feel everybody behind you rallying and and adding to. Um, adding to your play and I think if they are at home I hope that we create that kind of atmosphere that would uh, would get it done and the last time they they, they had this a row, uh, away and then home series against Portland uh, they just stunk it up in Portland they should have taken advantage of that team and really beat them down in the first leg 
and the second leg might not even made a difference. But they they didn't do anything in the first leg, and then came back. And then unfortunately, uh, our our really our only dangerous player Kukudamani got injured early, and that. Uh, put him in the wrong spot right off the bat. I've had a couple conversations with my friend Gershon Kofi about playing the 10 yeah. in, that, in that away leg in Portland in whatever it was. Was it 2015? Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. That that was – they got a result in terms of – they got a draw, but that was an awkward an awkward occasion. And, and, we, th- and we, th- fell we fell flat. We fell flat. With Kukuda going off, Yeah, we fell flat and, and in the, the second leg. Portland, I remember in that, in the, going home, they weren't that strong at that point. Like they they were missing players or they were just played or I can't remember what the scenario was, but they were right for the picking of that first leg. I, I think the goalless draw felt good for some people and definitely not good enough for others. Looking at the season then too deep, there's what eight games left for the Caps. What have you perceived as the major high points then, right up to this point? I, I, it's hard to judge a high point because they've been up and down so much. It's like as soon as they get a little high, they, they, then they'll drop a game that they should have, they should have lost. I think probably the the one that kind of sticks out is probably the New York City FC game um, because I think they just come off a big loss and they were coming back and nobody was expecting them to do anything there and they pulled one off. Um, but it's, it, like I said, it's very difficult to figure out what is high and low for them when they they haven't been able to maintain that high at all. I completely agree that there's been inconsistency, but I can say that a high point personally for me was yeah. watching them win four 0 in Dallas. Oh yeah, that that would yeah well, that would be a big high for sure. I, I think for me it was beating Dead Bull in the in the Concacaf Champions. League. Well, they came early. How about a low? Still came, but nine games left. I just double checked yeah. that, so it's, it's not eight. So we've got even more games to to enjoy coming coming up, but. For me, the high point, 4-0 in Dallas. Hard to see beyond that. I've liked the fact that our defence has turned around this year from what it was last year. We're now looking a little bit like the defence from 2015. Not quite as good. As long we're, as Watson's playing. Yeah, we're not, we're not like Sporting KC that's only letting 19 goals in so far from their 26 matches, which is incredible. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that that's a, that's a big high point. Low lights, low points for you. Uh, it's, I think the uh, the Philadelphia game early for me that that was so disappointing because that they're not a very good team. That was the first of a few. Oh yeah, first of a <laughs> I, few, but it kind of set the moment, it set the tone for the season. Really, I think the obviously for me it's Voyager's Cup. Yeah, huge, huge disappointment, and then uh, was it? I think two out of the three home Cascadia Cup matches. Which one was worse out of the two? I think, well, the, uh, the, the I think the last Seattle game was the, uh, the, they, the last, should, yeah the last Seattle game was was frustrating, but but Portland too yeah Port, you're right. it's Port, hard to Portland was, Port, the result Portland was worse me. the result was worse and the team we were playing against was worse so yeah that's true yeah it's hard not not to be that Portland game. I mean my my lowlights would be that Portland game, but the inconsistency which we've talked about so much it's just you don't know what you're getting from one game to the next. You put in what's perceived to be the fringe guys and. They've played better, like Dallas, like Orlando, than than, than what the first team guys. The rash of injuries as well. I've never known a club that's had anything like this. TSS Rovers coming close this year, <laughs> trying to emulate that Vancouver spirit. But, I mean, on the whole, it, it's been a good season. I think, considering we haven't played as good as we probably could, or we haven't played great football, 
I, I think it's not been bad. And I just want to read a couple of tweets about that from Matt Johnson, at Matt the Drum on Twitter. He says that the Cats record should speak for itself. However, their performances have been terrible to adequate, poor position stats. And he says that those reflect those performances, yet they come up as big at key moments and against the top teams. Winning can hide problems and results are all are not always the best way to judge a team. He wants to know how good is this team? It's hard to say. At I this mean, point. They're <laughs> fourth right now yeah. in the West. With games in hand, if they win that, they're top. Yeah. Are they the best team in the West? I can't say they are because they lose to teams that they're not supposed to lose to, and that's difficult to point to a team that's very like the best. I can take a, a losses to like uh, the, like for example, if that if you reverse the Dallas because you expect to lose there, but you beat a team you're supposed to beat at home, th- that would make you me feel better about them. But it's it's very it's a very weird sensation this year. I think personally, um, last year was really rough, and I think that that put us all kind of in a kind of having a lens of watching this team as as what are they going to do now? How are they going to disappoint us? And I think that's a pretty big <laughs> uphill climb to impress us, to win back the trust that they lost. Um, and I don't think they've done that this year. I think it has been inconsistent. But if I look at other teams around the league, we're better than them. Yeah. But we look at it and say, this isn't consistent. This isn't good. Look at what you did last year, and we don't uh, have the faith that they can get it done. And the position stats are horrible, which we've talked about a lot, but we're still getting the results. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bothered by the position stats. No, that's horrible. He yeah. doesn't care. I think one of the reasons you might feel, Michael, that this is a, a good season or whatever has to do with the, the way things have been inconsistent. Because unlike other years where we've had really extensive poor run of results, talk, not talking about performances, yeah, poor run of results. In this, the, at this exact time of year. Exactly. This year, there's not other than – other than I think there, other than the the Champions League and the loss to San Jose and Toronto, other than that, I don't think we've had more than two losses in a row the whole year. But I don't think we've had more than two wins in a row uh, either. It might be three actually, but uh, so that I think that's it, so. There's a sense that it, we f- there's a feeling that we're not as bad as maybe we are, or we're not as good as maybe we could be. Parity. Which is, of course, what the whole this is this whole marketing league is set up to be. Yeah, look, look it makes the, but it does make the league more exciting when you have parity. It does, unlike like a certain league in Germany that you know who's won the league before it even kicks off. Yeah, yeah. So you you, you tell me you knew Wolfsburg was going to win a few like within in the last decade. Everyone knew Wolfsburg was going to win that. I'm year? just saying. On, on everyone in knew. General. Everyone knew Kaiser Slaughton was going to win the 1998 Bundesliga after being promoted. He's going all the way back to 98. <laughs> I have no interest in German football. You know you do. I don't. So looking at the games that the Caps have got left, nine games left. The next four are at home. You've got Saturday the ninth at home to Salt Lake. Wednesday the thirteenth at home to Minnesota. Saturday, the, the 16th, Kakuta comes back to town. Then you've got another Saturday game where you are at home to Colorado before midweek going at the Sounders and then an away trip to Sporting KC. So we've got these groups of three games. We've got Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, break, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. We've seen so far a lot of squad rotation by Robbo. 
Do you see that continuing this month, or do you think he's going to go for a settled lineup? I think there will be some squad rotation for for sure in those three games in a week. It may not be as heavy as let's say, oh, I don't know, Orlando away. I, I think I think uh, the three home games, you definitely will see less squad rotation because they are playing at home. Uh, but definitely, when you go home, Seattle. And then Sporting Kansas City is the one I see where you're going to see uh, some rotation, heavy rotation. Uh, but those first two games, it should be similar lineups again. Because you're playing in the same time zone and everything. You're not, like, traveling too far. One no- note about rotation, though. I mean, in the past, when we've had, we haven't had the same depth. I mean, I would feel nervous when I would be watching um, some of the younger guys filling in, slotting in for an away game that would truly be our B squad. And I don't have that same kind of nervous energy towards people that are filling in. So I think there will be rotation. But at this point in the season, you have to start nailing down who your best player is and and the best positions for them uh, to get into the stretch. What what do you guys think is the the players that would stay throughout, like the the most important players that would go through the whole rotation? During these three games, who's who stays in the lineup? Like out of out of them, uh, like is it? I, I say Waston, Parker, and Nowitzki on the back line. Um, I don't think Elstead. I think Elstead plays most of those games. Who else do you think plays? Is I haven't read about training. Is Parker okay? Yeah, Timmy's fine. Oh, okay, good. Uh, yeah, I think that that core at the back will stay there. I think. Uh, you'll I think pro- the midfield rotates quite a bit. I, I, the holders. I don't know. if There's going to be much rotation. Uh, barring suspension or, okay. or injury. Well, Ali Gazal is Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Ali, yeah, I forgot about Ali and G. looking good and looking very vocal. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. So there might, yeah. He, his partner might rotate. If, He's if down he... for a man. Oh, boy. Nah, that was my Ali G impression. I sent him more Jamaican. Really I think I went, I went to yeah. Jamaica there. Yeah. <laughs> off my own accord as well. Jamaica. Yeah. Um, I think the wingers, too. I think those will rotate for sure. Um, I think well, one guy I'd like to see in most of the games is Tichera. But other than that, I think Bologna shouldn't play two games in a row for sure. Booyakasha. That's what I was trying to do. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm going to get need to get a massage tomorrow from all the head shaking that I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, one, the one thing I agree with you, Anna, the, I think, and, and Michael, we've talked about this in the past, I think the depth every year has progressed. Like, is every year, I think every year we've said, oh, this year's depth is better than last year, which is an, yeah. which is nice to see. The problem with that is... The league has seen that happen as well, yes. and in a lot of cases, probably they've, it's gone further than, than what's happened in Vancouver. Robo has said, and I heard him tell this to the players, that he feels this is the best group he's ever had. He did say that last year as well, and then we missed the playoffs. So maybe that doesn't count for uh, too but, much. So yeah, I, I, essentially, I think I think I agree with you guys. Is, is it's not as uh, you know, you, it's not as bad as it was in the past, but you still want to see some. Like the top players, like Montero, maybe go uh, most of the games. Maybe get subbed off in the 60s to keep it fresh for the next game. The one thing, I, the one thing I'll say about the, this is not about the first group of games, but the second group of games. Uh, Seattle away is a, we have to win. There, there's no tying in Seattle. Tying is not a good result in Seattle. We don't win in Seattle, we lose the Cascadia Cup, and that can't happen. Yeah, totally. So we'll just wrap this section up. Where do you see the Caps finishing? In the Western Conference. I'll go third. Zach? Man, you... I I, I, I think it's going to be four or five. I think uh, a result missed by, by someone else and a couple good results for us, and I can see us... I can finish second. 
I thought you were going to say first. Yeah. I don't want to go too crazy. Everyone already thinks I'm kind of crazy. I'm not going to go first. I'm going to go second as well. Kansas City with the win. Cap second. Now, I'm just going to throw this at you. How do you see them doing in the playoffs? I defer my answer. <laughs> I, I, th- I think they can make a run, but it all depends on the, the, how they match up against the teams. I think if they stay healthy and depending on who else is there, I mean, in the past we've seen um, what can take out a team. And, and last year in particular, Seattle ended up winning the cup without any shots on goal. It doesn't mean that you are, uh, I don't know, kicking butt. Sometimes things just fall in your way and the, hitting the two posts. And, and I mean, so many things happen in the, in the uh, playoffs that you can't really predict that. I am going... For an MLS Cup, Toronto versus Vancouver. <laughs> and you say she's part of the Optimist Union. Wow. <laughs> I'm part of the Delusional Union. Oh, yeah, apparently. I, I actually see TFC maybe losing in the playoffs, not making it to oh, the that, final. That would be great. No, only because the, the teams that go so hot so uh, find a way to lose. You're both in dis- different spectrums of the, the Delusional. If Toronto, if the sixth place team in the East get in and then we host. Toronto, yeah. Toronto's winning the trouble this year, I think. No. No? Okay. No. Uh, in terms of Vancouver, uh, I, I think it, I don't see anything different than the past. Making the playoffs and going out at the first hurdle if it's the home and away. If it they, they play in the, the one, the single knockout, I could see them getting past that but not getting past the home and away. The bigger question, I think, Michael, is not what we think is going to happen. Is what do we think is expected or what do we think because that's all they've been talking about they all, all, all year all they've been talking about is, oh look what portland did two years ago oh mm-hmm. look what seattle that's yeah, all that's all we need to turn. do that's all we need to do so if if uh they if they get into the playoffs and then they don't do a portland or seattle the last couple of years then what happens we will come to that in part two but we're just going to stop the whitecaps discussions for now because we have a new game show to play this week It's in four parts. There's going to be one in each segment of the show, one round in each segment of the show. What we're going to do is we're going to play Countdown. Now, people may not know what Countdown is. I've brought pens and paper for everyone, so don't worry about that. But but you can use your own pen and paper. That is fine, because it will save my paper and being Scottish, I like that. (laughs) And pen. So I'm assuming you give us letters and we have to make a word out of it. Kind of. We're going to pick nine letters. You can have anywhere between two and four vowels. And anywhere between seven and five consonants. I was told there would be no math. There's no math. There's no math. So what we're going to do is we are going to try and make football-related words out of it. Now, I'm going to change the rules to normal countdown. You are allowed proper names, but only surnames of footballers. You can think out of the box. You could come up with, say, blue, because the white cat's playing blue. Green, because the pitch is green. Stuff like that. One quick question. Is it a community community things or we get nope, our own? We're all going to get our own. It's a community round of letters. Okay. And then we are going to each have 30 seconds to try and make the longest word we can. Longest or, mo- or the most quality word? Longest. It's all about points. Size is important here. So if everyone's ready, let's play Countdown. <laughs>
Okay, so we're ready for counting. It's round one. Just to make things easier, I am going to kick things off. So you can either pick a certain number of letters or consonants or vowels at a time or just do it individually. Because we're a bit short of time, I'm just going to hurry things up. And I'm going to start off with three vowels. So you all need to write this down. You can play along at home. Tweet us your answers. <laughs> we're going to start with an A. Did somebody gonna... die from this show? Is that why we're doing this? Because that's usually what we have to do. This is my favourite ever game show. I always wanted to be on Countdown. And I oh, I know. I, I seen it so, played because I saw it on the IT show. Yes, I see, IT I crowd. It, yeah. IT crowd. Another A. And my third vowel is a U. Um, I'm going to go for four consonants. V. R. K. And J. These are the worst set of letters. Oh, dear. Right, I'm going to go for another consonant. Wait, wait, you said four. You you can add? He's adding one because it was horrible. So uh, we've got a P. And I think I will finish with another consonant. A W. So that's A-A-U-V-R-K-J-P. So you have 30 seconds to make the longest football-related words you can out of that. And your time starts. That's your 30 seconds up, so I'll declare four. Four is my longest as well. Four. Anna? Four is my longest. I got five. Oh, Whoa. so Steve could take the point. So my four is Wark after Ipswich Town legend John Wark. I, I have that on my list, but I chose others. But So what's yours then, Zach? What are you declaring? Uh, well, I'll go with, I had Wark, but I'll go with my other four is Park. <laughs> you can have the same, Anna, it's okay. As long as you've written he it down. stole mine. It That's was Park. So, okay. So, Steve with a chance for the points and to take the lead. Parka uh, for wearing when you have one of those cold nights. Oh, very the good. Watch the football pit. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch, but I right. did say. I had, I had actually Park too, but then I, I, I go, wait, hey, there's an extra A. <laughs> I said you could think out of the box. That is excellent. So, five points to Steve. Steve is in the lead. The chocolate's on the line here. I know. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know how Steve's winning. He's not wearing his bandana. He has his lucky ball. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He only has one lucky ball, but he's fondled it so well. He's put him in the lead. We're going to continue our Whitecaps chat now, and we're going to look at a couple of tweets we had. Austin Sweeney at Oz Sweeney 4 He wants to know, where is the line drawn on the Robo era? And who would you like to see his pl- take his place when the time comes for him to move on? which I know may be a little bit premature. He still had a hashtag, still thinks we're winning the Cup this year. Is there a possibility that if the Caps didn't make the playoffs or won and done, that Robbo's position is untenable or nowhere near that? Well, before he signed for the Galaxy, I was thinking Siggy Schmidt, considering all that they like recycling Sounders into the the (laughs) White Caps team. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I I, I think... 
I think he's done well. I, 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 he's made it a more professional club. It seems like um, I feel. I feel that the club is more prof- the way he bring, brings in the players and everything like that. The players love him as well. Yeah, and, and I think he relates well with the fans. He works well with the media and everything. So he's, he's not. There's no issues there. I think. I think the thing is, is obviously going to be results. And right now, he's he had a fantastic first year, slip out in the second, and then he's kind of turning around, but. It's just he, I think he's playing with what he's got, and I think he's he's doing a decent job with it right now. I think when they brought him on, they knew that they were getting um, getting a coach that didn't necessarily have the experience, and they were willing to give him a few years' time to kind of get his bearings and figure it out. When I look at the people that he's brought in, I don't look at it and think, "Oh, that was garbage." I think he made decisions that that made sense at the time to see how these players fit in. Like if I look at Rivero, he brought in Rivero thinking, let's see what this guy can do in MLS. And it didn't work out and he's out. But other players that he's brought in make sense to me. And and the team that he's trying to put together makes sense. If the results aren't happening um, this year, especially, I can't point it at, oh, it's because this person's garbage, that person's garbage. Even when I think about Shea, that was a deal to get rid of Barnes, who didn't really want to be a part of the squad, didn't want to be here, and let's get Shea in. And I know not everyone's happy with his DP status, but that doesn't mean anything to me. That's just how much he gets paid. And if there was somebody else that they were willing to pay instead of Shea, then he would be bought down with imaginary money and he wouldn't be a DP. I, I noticed you turned and looked at me when you were talking about Shea, about Shea's DP status. Just to be clear, I have nothing against Brooke Shea. And him trying to get as much money. My problem That's is... That's not what you say off the air. No, that, no. <laughs> stop lying, Steve. I'm um, just kidding. My problem is that the, the football committee and the ownership are hiding, like, are hiding behind him as a DP when he should not be... He should be a TAM player at most on, on a football club, on MLS, on the money he's on. And there should be a DP at a, who's making more money who should be in that spot. So I, th- I think Breck Shea, even on the contract he's on right now, if, whether you like it, you don't like it, value, whatever, to me, if he's on your football club in MLS, he should be a TAM player at the most. But getting back to Steve's question, you can comment on Breck Shea later, Michael. But get to Steve's question, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I have a lot of time for Carl Robinson. I think he, as a person, he is a, he's a quality person. And I think that's, I think, really important. <clears throat> we could... Maybe do a whole two-hour show on the process of him becoming the Whitecaps coach, and the lots we could talk about with that, or maybe not talk about. Um, but I think his tenure, whether you're happy with it or you're disappointed with it or frustrated with it, has seen. I agree with you in this, Steve. Has seen a change in kind of how things are done at the football club. Uh, Tater had his way and did things, uh, kind of changed things at the football club uh, in one sense as well. Tommy Sullen, we, well, we, uh, there's nothing really to say about him uh, in terms of his impact. On, uh, he did some stuff with the players. He brought in some players, but he didn't really do much. Martin Rennie, same thing. He kind of shaped things in a certain way, and Carl was there for that, and he learned a lot from that. And he has, I, I would say, sort of picked up the baton and and reframed and reshaped things in a in even a, a better way than even when Martin was here. And so I think whether you think he should be gone at the end of this year or at the end of his contract or whatever, like I think he he will always be someone who's made a mark on the football club for the positive. Like you were saying, Anna, you know, there's like different examples. You like here's where things were positive. Here's where things didn't work out. And the, the thing I think about about Carl Robinson is 
he's owned those things, both the good and the bad. And I know some people hate post post match press conferences and some things that are said. But you, if you listen to what Carl Robinson says, he stayed true to it. He has told the media, I will not bury my players to you. That's something we talk about closed doors. So when the team does bad, he wants to take the heat. And when the team does good, he says that player contributed well, that player contributed well, whatever. And so I think he's kind of stayed true to that. You, know, you can say, I, didn't like, I don't like his taxes here, I don't like his approach, whatever. Sure, but uh, I think he'll – I think – I think he'll be here next year, kind of no matter what happens. The only way I can see him not being here is if we didn't make the playoffs. If we get to the playoffs, he's definitely coming back. He has changed the the whole mentality within the club, and we know that. It's fine lines. <laughs> but he has done a good job, and the players love him. The players play for him. Quickly touching on Breck Shea, I don't think we're going to have to worry too much about that. If he's here next year, I would be amazed. I personally feel he's kind of mentally checked out a little bit he just doesn't look that good in training in defense of Breck Shea does anyone know what his role is on this team true I don't even think he knows what his role is so which how is making can it you, difficult how can you be motivated to to Very true. fight for your position when you don't really even know what your position is we've brought in so many players that uh, we're test like Ibini. We're seeing what Ibini can do. What what is he Shea's role? Excellent on Friday. So we we know that Shea is not our player of the season so far. So who do you feel is, and who do you feel are the key players for the Caps down the stretch? It might be an obvious answer to the latter part, but who who has your Player of the Year award right now in his hands? Can I go first, Steve? Sure. Yeah, for me, it's it has to be Kendall Watson. Yeah, I'm there too. Yeah, I, that's why I wanted to go that's before why you. That's why you wanted to go first. I knew you would say that. But no, for me, it's Kendall Watson. I think... Uh, I think I, he's been I, the most important player yeah, of the yes, year. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think David Osted uh, has had a better year than last year. Uh, still making some good saves. Still making some uh, phenomenal saves. High, very high-quality match-altering uh, saves. But Kendall Watson, as the captain in front, uh, had has changed what changed the leaky defense from last year into a, at least a respectable one this year and has helped us get points this year. And you've seen it, especially when you look at the games where he didn't play, just drastic difference uh, in, in some of those matches. And I think he's our, our MVP so far this year, and I think he's key to what's going to happen in these last nine games and beyond. I think Anna has a different choice. I'm really just itching to get to the microphone here. A lot of respect for Kendall Waston. He has really stepped up this year with the I mean discipline maturity that we we unfortunately didn't see last year with having the armband absolutely so much respect for him but would we have any bright spots this season as many bright spots this season without Freddie F and Montero yeah definitely he's contributed for sure he's absolutely a contributor and as much as our defense has been great I like to watch goals being scored anybody else yeah for me it's between Waston and Montero I'm just going to give it to Wasson Was the edge just now. But if you ask me at the end of the season, I could it very could well change. see Montero. Oh, yeah, for sure it could change. Uh, especially the way Montero is now really... Well, the uh, fact he's got 11 goals and had no support no for support. most of the no, season. No, I do agree with that. It's like yeah. incredible. So going down the stretch, we kind of know who the the key players are going to be. But who do you think is going to be this one guy that really stands up and lights it up? I think they need Reyna. 
to to step it up, and I, th- I think everybody will be in agreement with that. I just took it first. Yeah. Um, I, I think he he's kind of changed the attack, and I think he will continue to do that. He's made it more dynamic. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Anyone else disagree with that? No, no, be- sir. Do, do you feel the Robo? I mean, we talked about does Brexit know what his place in the team is? It's like, do you think Robo actually knows who his best eleven is? I mean, do we even know what the best starting eleven is just now? I think he knows, but I think he he needs to rotate because, like we talked yeah. about before, he just hasn't shown it yet. I think he will just, especially when the playoffs come around, whatever the healthiest eleven, he'll put that out there for sure. I think we kind of know the back five is set. Yeah, but as I said, Nerwinski, anyone would put Williams in there? No, Parker, Waston, and Harvey. Then if we're looking at four two three one, oh what Anna? You had something? Honorable mention for DeYoung. I mean, his passing oh, accuracy yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. I love Harvey. Don't get me wrong, but DeYoung's done a great job too. It's tough to leave him out of the team the way he's played these last couple of games. That's that's the tough part, really. Yeah. If we if we look at it, it's a four two three one. You have to assume Gazal's gonna be one of the guys that come in. Eventually, yeah. Do you have Chani beside him or Jacobson beside him, or do you somehow fit both of those in in like a four one four one? For me, it's Jacobson only because uh, if Gazal's gonna be the one that pushes forward, you need I feel like you need somebody solid in the back to hold down the forward. And that's and if you have Jacobson there, he's played center back. So he he kinda can he, he's almost like a third center back there and he can also push forward too. So that's why I would like him there. I would take spring AJ or summer TT. Mm, an interesting one. I would go with Chani just because Gazal's not a guy that's going to get goals. I think he's only got three in his whole career or something. So he does go box to box, but he doesn't get goals. I think Chani would give us that. Jacobson doesn't. So for me, Chani would get that. Montero's obviously going to be the one up front with Reina behind him. So looking at the two wing players, Bola. On the right, to share it on the left for me, I think. Or do you give Davies a start? I, I always, I've always liked when you set up with a four-two-three-one. The wingers one to be a provider, so that you got Chichera or Bola as one of those, and the other guy like to be a driver, somebody that drives to the and and there you got Davies, and you even got a little Good bit. Good job, Carol Arns, not anything. Even Abisi can be a player like that that can drive to the, to the net. So that's that's what I kind of like. But if you look at the top two. Wingers, I think it's Bola and Teixeira at this point. Do you two agree it would be Bola and Teixeira for you, or? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to see them as the as the primary people, and then yeah, you have uh, Alfonso and um, and his buddy Breck as, as other options. Yeah. It's time for a new section of the show. I don't know what I did that for. So, I don't know what I did that for, and that is perfect to describe Alfonso Davies and what happened in the Canada-Jamaica game. So, what what was going through his head, Zach, without saying it off? I can't... Who, was it Alvis Powell? Damien Lowe. Okay, sorry. Okay. Uh, I think a couple things. One is uh, he... Uh, in MLS, he gets kicked a lot. <laughs> and... Um, 
he it was a foul. It was a it was a poor play. it was a poor play by uh, by the Jamaican defender. And when I watched the replay, he the the, the defender has a kick at him yeah. low as well, which he should have been at least booked for. And um, so he was he reacted poorly. It was uh, the red mist. It was you know kind of a rush of blood to the head. He didn't get him in the face. Right? No, he got I mean, him on that, the shoulder. That, that's what pissed me off the most. That because he, he you never... W- you wish he did get him yeah, in the face? Yeah, I did wish him... Because <laughs> the way he reacted, he deserved to at least get sent off, make it worthwhile. Yes. Uh, at, at first <laughs> He's going to get sent off, at least kick the guy first in the I thought, face. Oh, at first I thought, okay, yeah, he kicked him in the face, no problem. Yeah. But no, like, so it was just a... It was, to me, it was just red mist. It was in the heat of the moment. It's not definitive of who he is as a player, as a person. You saw him walking off and he... Yeah, he was mortified. He was yeah. just like, I can't believe I've just done this. Yeah. He, whether it was his own volition or his people People said tweet but something out after. He tweeted something out after. He's setting records all over the place. Youngest player ever now to get sent off totally. for the, the senior team. Totally. I, I, th- I think that was his own volition. I don't think anybody told him to do it. Um, I'm, I'm not no. saying he, someone he was, did. He, I'm he just was saying. very remorseful. He added a gift, too. To, to yeah. Was, you know, it's definitely something there. It was immediate, too. You could see it on his face. So I think that he was, uh, he was sorry about it. Absolutely. So do we put it down to youthful exuberance? Or... I've seen in a couple of games he does have a bit of a temper. Is it something that they maybe need to just make sure it doesn't get out of control? Or is he going to be the Canada's Joey Barton? No, I don't see that away from bookmakers. <laughs> that's just, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, that was one of the lowlights of Canada's performance. Just to have a very quick chat about the, the Canada-Jamaica game. Another lowlight with a Whitecaps connection, Sam Arikugbe. Going off, coming on as a half-time sub, going off again, looked like it could be the same hamstring problem, which is three or four times now. Yeah, you have it as a career-ending. I have hamstring. it as close to career-ending. He, he, he told me the, he, earlier today, he said it's a career-ending hamstring injury, which I've never no, heard of before. No, not from that injury, <laughs> but his hamstring issues could oh, okay. be career-ending because he keeps having them. He's back for six games and now he's out again. Well, he just needs a stretch. Maybe Caitlin can give him some yoga lessons or something like I'll, that. I'll, yeah. I'm imagining he's going to be back with the Caps and not head back to Sweden, but it didn't look good. You really felt for him. It was very disappointing. It was disappointing, one, first that Marcel only got a half. And then, okay, Sam comes on. She's like, okay, great. Sam's excited to get on. He's going to go out. And, yeah, it was – you feel bad for Sam. Like, Sam wants to be a professional footballer. This is what he's wanted his whole life. He's worked really hard. He's done a lot of great things. He's been in a number of places – He's in a place now where he's trying to make a, a, a breakthrough, and to be have a setback like this is unfortunate. I feel for him as a as a person. I think it's the last minute call up because you know he's playing in Sweden. It's a you know different climate there, and then he comes to the mugginess of uh, Toronto, and oh, like you said, he hasn't stretched out properly, and maybe that's the reason why it happened. Maybe it's just a fluke thing. Yeah, I say blame Toronto. Absolutely, yeah. I, I agree with that. Oh yeah, totally. Apart from the result. Anyone really stand out for you with their performance in the game? I, to be honest, I just fast forwarded through the first half and I had the second on on mute and just turned it up when Alfonso came on. So I'm assuming you won't have that much of a say in who had a good showing. In so the you half. missed you missed a really good half for Canada. Yeah, the first half. I saw half. the goals. I fast forwarded. No, but you, you would watch the the overall play. To me, the three players that stood out were Anthony Jackson, Hamel. Yeah, not just because he scored his the, the his pass, set, his pass yeah. for the for the second goal was phenomenal. Ozo with the good finish for the second goal, and then Junior, the setup. Junior the played well. Thing. Junior played well, and then you look at his setup for the first goal was was good. Now Jamaica was not good. 
right? Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Wasn't their best team. They were not. They were not good. We, it was a Canada's best team, right? You don't have Scott Erfield there. You, there's other players who weren't there. Borian, whatever. Yeah, Atiba there. And we, I think yeah. I, I, th- I thought that Jason played. I, how do you pronounce his last name? Loot Wheeler or something? Yeah, Loot Wheeler. Yeah, so I thought he had a decent game because he didn't have. It wasn't too busy, but he had a decent game. Um, I thought Atiba made. I think. I think Atiba, if he was in the Gold Cup squad, I think they could have made a big. It would have made a big difference on that. Absolutely. Squad. That him and Samuel Piet, uh, I think it's a, it's a good combo in there. I just wish Atiba was about ten years younger at this point, <laughs> so he could have the, him his prime at this point, not later on. It was a, it was a good good performance and a good result for Canada, and it was nice to see twenty one thousand people at BMO for yeah. a friendly. I thought it was and, Argo Stadium now. Argo Stadium is looking superb. No, okay. I mean it's great that they've let us no, play in, there. In all seriousness, like the division of matches across the country has been awkward over the years. Yeah. It's, it's not been helpful. It's not been healthy for the growth of the the sport in, in across the country. So, and it's unfortunate that most of these games, most of the men's games, are in the three MLS cities, and hopefully it'll go beyond that, especially with the the, the dawn of the CPL. I genuinely but, don't see that. I think Toronto is the home until after the next World Cup campaign. Which might might be the case, but I think in the long term, I think they need to recognize that you need to play in different places in a country that's this is huge. They're, we don't have a, hand, a Hamden, we don't have a, a Wembley, right, that we're going to just, oh, all the games there, everyone can jump on the train, you get there. I think uh, with tr- this is the first game in Toronto since like 2015, I think, right? So like the, having the World Cup games here, then having the Curacao game in Montreal, having this game here, you, I, I felt it felt like the people in Ontario were hungry for a match, and and it was great to see 21,000. I think it that's, was. I think that's a record for a friendly I'm not in, in of Ontario. Jamaicans either, like no. America, yeah. Costa Rica. I didn't see very much green and yellow. No, and no. The, vo- the Voyagers did well. You could hear them. You could yeah. see them. It was it was good. You see Ben right in the middle of them all the time. Of course. Anyway, it's time for the next round of Countdown. So now it's time for round two of Caps Countdown. And Anna, it's your time to pick the letters. Okay, so I'm going vowels first. How many do you want? I thought it was three. You can have as many as you want. You can have oh. anything up to four vowels in well, total. Let's see how bad they are. Okay. U. O. A. Not bad. Not terrible. That's, I'll take that. That's close to USA. Consonants. Uh, I don't know yet. Let's see how we do. G. P. F. N. S. Ooh. I think I'm pretty happy there. Okay, so you have one letter left to pick. Do you want a vowel or a consonant? I'll go consonant. W. So if you're playing along at home, the letters are U O A G P F N S and W. So if you're ready, your 30 seconds starts now. Let's count down, everyone.
So time up everyone. Anna, how many do you have? I have zero. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to do it. No, he did his own too when he did it, pick the letters. I missed it. Uh, Zach. Just quick clarification. It has to be one single word, right? Yes. Okay, then I just have four. I have four as well. I'm going to go with five. It's a stretch. So we, so can, we can challenge it? If you don't like my explanation. So what is your four? Fans. Oh. I have soap, uh, because obviously you need soap after playing a game. Yes. I have fangs, because of Luis Suarez being a vampire and liking to dig his fangs into people. I, I think the correct answer would have been because of the ad we play, but that's probably good enough. Oh, yes. And of course, the vampire ad is always very relevant on this show. So that's it for round two. The scores now. Steve and me are tied on five. Zach and Anna yet to get off the score. And we'll be back with more after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. So we're, we're back after that exciting round of countdown. I'm sure you're all at the edge of these seats. Hopefully you're playing along at home. You can let us know if there's any words that you got that we did not get. But now we're going to turn our attentions back to the Whitecaps and in particular back to the youth and the residency, the under-18s and the under-16s. Both the residency teams get their 2017-18 season underway this weekend. The Caps are playing host on Saturday to Portland Timbers, Cascadia Derby at the National Soccer Development Centre. It should be a good game. As always. And there's been some movement in the residency coaching staff this year, which hasn't been announced yet. Carol Valentine has stepped down as under-16 assistant coach. Really? Yes. Why? It, why? Just commitment, the time. It was just a lot for him, and he's got the other stuff to do as well. He really enjoyed it, but he decided to take a step back. So being promoted to the under-16 head coach assistant is Robert Earnshaw, moving up from the under-15 team. And the teams this year are actually called under-19 and under-17. They've actually amended it a little bit. So it's no longer 18s and 16s. But Ernie has moved up to the 16s with his team. 12 of the 15s have moved into the 16s. So I got a chance to catch up with Ernie at training recently, just to talk about his transition into coaching, uh, just how he's found everything, and just the challenges that being a youth coach faces. So here's Robert Earnshaw. His name was Ernie, and he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. And he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. So, Ernie, is it a year and a half now since you went into coaching? Uh, yeah, it's like 18 months gone on uh, two, yeah, nearly two, nearly two years. Yeah, nearly two years. How have you found that transition then? I know you're in the game for such a long time. Has it been easy to... <laughs> you're in the game as a player for a long time. Has it been easy to adjust to, to not being out in the pitch every day as a player, but bringing on the next generation? Um, do you know what? I think when you when you play the game so long, and um, you know you you're you're a competitor on the field um, for you know nearly nineteen years. It I th- I think for for that long, it takes time to adjust um, personally, and it takes time to to just transition 
for into into the other side you know now you've got to give the info now you've got to have the answer now you've got to um, you know give the info and improve and develop uh, somebody else you know because as a player sometimes you, you come on the pitch and you're very focused on what's your what's your individual role what's your um, you know who you're working with what unit what, what are you doing like what's your role in the team what do you um, you know those things and then Within that, everybody's doing those things at the same time to create this team of, of um, you know, to bring that together into a team so it works, you know? So you're working together with other people. Um, but do you know what? At the same time, um, it's, it takes maybe, I mean, it took me maybe f- five, six months to really transition um, from player to coach, um, but the great thing is, um, is that you have the knowledge. You know, I think that's the, the really the, the thing that's that's kind of jumped out at me personally is like, you you have the knowledge, um, and it's just giving it out there. You know, and and do you know what? It's it's, it's transitioning personally into from a player, just mentally, maybe from a player to a coach, but the, on the field and and working as a coach, you you start to find it. Um, I guess not simple, but um, it comes naturally because uh, you start now to somebody asks you a question, you you have those answers. You know that's that's what I found is is you have those answers, you have the the ideas, you have the solutions. You know, a player's got a problem. You know, uh, what should I do here? What do you think I can improve on? You start to to really um, it, it comes out naturally. You know, that's what I found. Um, so which is which is. The, the, the comforting thing because then you, you, you kind of stay, take a step back you know after five six months and you think actually you know it's uh, I was you maybe build it up to be a lot harder than it is but then when it comes to it day to day you start to transition and um, and it comes naturally I think what's been the hardest adjustment that, that you've had to make because you, you've done some coaching you've been through all your badges and everything and you're involved with the first team but when, when you're dealing with young players what's been the hardest thing for you to kind of get used to? Um, I think the hardest thing um, to be honest is is um, probably understanding um, players you don't know at the beginning you know uh, understanding uh, what they need, you know. I think that's always the natural thing, is understanding what they need and how how can you develop them. I think the hardest thing always is is you as a coach. Uh, you got the player or players, and you you've got to now improve this guy, you know. Because I think that's because at the end of the day, whether it's 50 years ago or in 50 years' time, that's always going to be the case. There's certain things in football that I found that um, when I was 16 and 15 and 14, um, they're still relevant today, and they're still in the game. And and I, f- I found that they're actually that's the core. I I, I, I say I, I call it the core because it's the things that. It uh, doesn't matter what year it is, you can pop in and stop and watch football and it's still right there, you know. So things like a coach to a player and you have to d- develop that player and make him better uh, because uh, players want to be developed, players want to get better, players want to improve, they want they, they want to soak it up, they want you, they want to hear stories that improve them and, and information that's going to make them better. 
so what I do, for instance, is, is um, you know, I, uh, I took the time to, to try and figure out strategies for myself to, to, to how can I be ready for that, you know? I think that's, what, that's the, probably the most difficult thing, but I actually, I find it the, the most enjoyable thing. I, I love that, you know? I love the, the point where I can sit down with a player or, or here, you know, and it, we spent five, six minutes there with Freddie Montero, a top player, but I'm watching and thinking, okay, what's, what's his movements? I'm studying him, you know? Um, and because of, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, I, I always come back to the love of the game, you know? Because if I love the game, I love what I do, and I, I, and I love uh, making other people better, uh, players see that and they thrive off that and they enjoy that, you know? And it's a big turnaround in the group as well. This will be like your third group. That, that you've had because everyone's just there with you for a year then they move up to the to the U16s it's that tough like you're just getting to know a player and then you have to pass him on to up to Adam next well th- that's the thing yeah um, and this year uh, which is I think uh, a lot of people uh, it's kind of been quiet but um, this year I've now gone up with Adam so it's me and Adam with the under 17s ah, okay. yeah so it's now going to be called this the under 17s yeah, and under 19s so so this year it's uh, so I'm going to be together with the yeah then, so you know. pretty much 12 of the players that I had last year in my team with the under 15s have gone up to the under 17s and now I'm I'm going to be with them uh, so me and Adam are going to be with them so um, so it's actually that's for this year it's been nice because you know I know them you know I know what they had last year I know what they've done over the last year year and a half um, and then uh, what well, the good thing is because the under 17s is is a double age group. You know that's the, uh, so it's it's the under 15s from last year, but then it's the it's the ones from the year yeah. before. I've been in it, so they're in the in the under 17s for two years unless they go up because they're good enough. Uh, so the the year before, I had uh, I think seven of them uh, who are now with the 17s, and then 12 of them from last year. So pretty much, apart from three or four who are brand new, um, I've uh, I've coached them all within the last two years. So that's that's nice because for me as a as a strategy when I pay attention and study players and um, and try to figure out all the solutions that make uh, is going to make them better that's nice this year because I can I'm ready for that you know I'm ready ahead of that you know because I, I've done that over the last year and a half with them what have they thought of this because obviously before you're up at 40s Burnaby Lake nice facility up there but to be here this pathway that the club's got how you can see up the corridor you've each got your own rooms what's the buzz like about the group um, do you know what uh, I think? I think it's. Uh, I mean, listen. Number one, it's a great facility. It's um, it's been refreshing. It's been refreshing to to have um, everything that you need to to work and improve players and and, and work with them um, is right here. I think that's the, that's been a great thing. So you know, I think uh, the club building this and and putting the money into this has been a. a really a great thing um, and I think you feel it already in the, in the first couple of weeks that uh, the residency youth are, are really have, have come in now with the first team with the USL um, you you feel that energy you feel that um, professionalism as well um, but at the same time still settling in still settling because it's the first couple of weeks and a 14 to a 17 and 19 year old 18 year old um, they're going to come into this and think wow 
Yeah. Because it's, in, it's at the same time, it's intimidating yeah. for a young player. I came in and thought, why when we got our tour of it? It's just like, yeah. so different to anything that they've had before. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got this, the first team are training in the morning and you're touching distance, but you're not quite there. You're a young player trying to build and trying to get out here. So that can be, it can be intimidating. So you need people around there that can... Um, uh, give them the right info and and uh, and, and be mentor for them and, and talk to them and and uh, uh, make them realize that uh, that everything's okay and you're still in the process. You're still trying to get out here with the first team, so um, it's 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 a big deal. It's a big deal for the club. It's huge and it's it's a great thing and um, it feels great to uh, just to be in and around it. Um, and it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to, I think, for, for everyone who's not. First team, I think, now are used to it. Now they're working. Uh, now they've got the, yeah, a rhythm, you know, and now they, uh, they're really enjoying the facility. Um, now everybody else will, uh, I think, will feel the same way. His name was Ernie, and he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. Ernie! And he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. Robert Earnshaw there talking about all things residency under 16s. And another busy season, as we said, kicks off this weekend. First two games are Cascadian Derbies, Portland at home, Seattle away. All the games are going to be up here at UBC at the National Soccer Development Centre. So, the new residency season, obviously, the USL season is wrapping up. Do you see. Any big signings jumping out at you, residency into USL right now? Not, not for this year. Not like in past years. I don't think there's going to be that many. Um, uh, Thomas Hassel might be one, but I don't. I think they. I think they want. I don't think they want to rush him because he's yeah, a good goalkeeper. Yeah, I think they might actually cool their jets on him a little bit right now. I, I think they want to keep him and let him develop and everything like that. Um, one guy, I know he's not with the team. I'm not sure what he's doing. I didn't check into Joel Harrison. I thought he might be up He's gone to college. He really okay. wants to go to college. But then David Norman went well, to college for one as year well and, and then back. came yeah. back. So you never know. But no, Joel definitely wanted to, to get an education, got a, a good scholarship under his belt. Um, the, only, the one guy I think might might be able to is uh, Theo Bear, um, the auto kid. Yeah. Um, he's got a lot of speed. Um, they they like bringing up their wingers quite a bit, and I think he might have a chance if he has a good year. I he think was he's playing gonna... as an out and out striker in a scrimmage game on Friday against WFC two. So there you go. So so there is a little bit possibility there for him to move jump to USL, but I don't think that's going to happen until next year either. I think all the really top residency talent of recent years has already got their WFC two contracts. Yeah. From the WFC two team just now, do you see anyone? making the grade, making the jump to the MLS roster for next season. Four guys so far, if you include Alfonso, which I know is a little bit of a stretch, but Brett Levi's, Spencer Ritchie, Kyle Gregg, I was yeah. like, who's the other one? Um, The one guy who I, I have liked in limited viewing that I've seen is, is Amanda. Um, yeah, go, really go talented. Amanda. I, I, think, I, think he, I, I think he's got the ability. For me, the only one that I see possibly doing it maybe two if, if they want to have a look at Meyer Bevan a bit more closely but if he doesn't get sent off anymore international that's my only yeah. thing with him is he, is he would take up an international spot well, see the other guy for me is Declan Wynn yeah. because they have had a look at him they're very high on him I feel they're going to have to offer him an MLS deal at the end of this year or he is probably going to look to pastures new and he maybe should because he is an international couple of goals in the year but for me 
He's been great, but do we need another left back? Yeah, that, I was going to say the two. Those are the two guys I was going to mention as well. Uh, Declan Wynn, Yeah, he does need to either make the first team or find somewhere where he will be able to play at a higher level. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, but then we have the problem. We technically have three, four left backs already on the MLS books, which we already talked about how that's going to change this next year and how we talked about how Sam doesn't want to be here. We're talking about one of the other three is definitely going to not be here next year or it's hard to see. Yeah. One, one of those I don't, three. I don't see Harvey being here next year. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be, I don't think it would be, wouldn't be too, too surprising to see him gone, but then to bring in Declan as a left back option is kind of uh, having three guys there is probably too much plus international spot. Yeah. My, all I was going to say about Meyer Bevan was aside from the international roster spot, It'd be nice to have. It's always nice to have uh, players who know the spirit with which to play in a Cascadia derby. And so, you know, w- what happened in his last game, <laughs> he, he knows what a Cascadia derby is all about, yeah. and th- that would be appreciated. So, once again, this week's top f- f- flash top five—that's what it's called. Um, uh, we are in as, as usual. Michael has taken off the headphones, sitting on the side. Uh, because uh, it's about Canada, uh, the U23 midfielders. U23 midfielders. You know some of these players. Come yeah. on. So U23 midfielders it is Canada 150. We're counting them down. So this week, uh, number uh, okay, a couple of honorable mentions. Um, I have Marco Bustos as an honorable mention. Uh, obviously, he's WFC two. He hasn't played that much in the MLS, so he's there. Another guy who I'm not going to say honorable mention. I'm just going to say omitted because of lack of decision is Tabla from the Impact. He hasn't made his choice, so we're not going to include him in the top five. But coming at number five, um, he made a pretty good impact at the Gold Cup, uh, Mark Anthony Kay, um, a former TFC2 product, uh, or TFC Academy, I should say. Um, I think I don't, he wasn't signed. He went to Louisville, and now he's kind of kind of gone on the radar. I thought he played really well in that Gold Cup. Yeah, filled in at left back against Jamaica yeah. when Sam got injured in Marcelo. On his own accord, too. Right. Um, number four, uh, Keon's froze. Uh, he's he's moved on from the, uh, the Whitecaps. He's uh, was sold off to uh, Germany. Uh, the team is, uh, I believe, he's at uh, Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Yeah, and and he's playing for number two right now, um, just like he was playing at WFC two. But he's okay doing it there in Germany. Uh, uh, but he, I think, he's got the kind of the ability to push the ball forward, box to box midfielder that the Canada needs, and he could be something if he keeps developing in this way. Uh, could be a player there. Number three, didn't make his debut at Gold Cup, but he did in Toronto, Raheem Edwards. Um, good. I think he plays more of a left back, left winger, left wing back kind of position um, uh, for TFC. And he, I think he can play along that side uh, for, uh, for, the, for the national team in the future. Um, number two, recently signed with the Impact, uh, Samuel Piet. Um, I, I really like this guy. I, I, I think he was young, and that's maybe why I didn't give him enough credit before. But he, he's really grown with his time in Europe and now moving back to MLS. Um, I think he was one of their better players in the Gold Cup. And uh, even in the last game, the setup, uh, the pass to Hamill that went to Osario, that was a fantastic uh, way to set it up. And who could be number one? Number one, it's obvious. It's, it's, I, I think this guy could take Canada. And I don't want, we don't want to put pressure on him, but he could take Canada to another level, and that's Alfonso Davies. And he's shown, the thing is, if he was, didn't show the maturity, I still wouldn't even say those kind of things, but he's shown the maturity, and I think he can do it as long as he continues showing that in the future. 
Yeah, a good list. Uh, obviously, uh, guys that are, have been connected here in Vancouver. Kians, yeah, it would, it would be great. I wish we had some live tweeting from LWO, LWO for John Humphreys because he follows Fortuna and uh, yeah. Fortuna Düsseldorf and uh, has kept some tabs on on how Kians has been doing there. So every, it, he, time, every time I see him, he's like, oh, he scored, he started, he did this, whatever. But um, Last year, he was really end of the year on a, on a really yeah. crazy note. But it's crazy when you're playing for... Yeah, but but this year he's kind of it's. I saw the stats. He was not, he's not starting as many games, and obviously the goals. I think maybe he might be playing a different position now. Maybe he's playing in that box to box or holding midfield role. Yeah, that's where John would know. But uh, I hope that I hope that he continues to or comes back into the fold for Canada eventually. And I hope he makes a breakthrough. Um, makes the breakthrough in Europe. So that was uh, that. That was the final Canadian flash top five. Hopefully, we have some in the future. I know uh, Sailor She likes the um, likes the klaxon, so hopefully we can continue this for in the future. Yeah, I it was a good one. I've really enjoyed the series. I take my headphones off because I can still hear you, but Alfonso clearly the the number one there. I think he's would be the number one of all the men's U twenty threes at this point, and even at, and then at sixteen. And remember, he is sixteen. Um, I think it's it's an impressive feat. I think it is. Anyway, now it is time for round three of countdown. The audience going wild in the studio here. It's actually nice to have a, a show recorded in front of a live studio audience again this week. Yeah, just look at them through the glass there. Just wave. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> if you want to come along to one of our recordings, just there, drop, a, drop us a line. There's a GA Terrace's uh, standing room. There is, yeah. But it's like tiered. It's safe standing. Yeah. So it's all good. So Actually, Zach, that, technically, that's not safe standing. <laughs> You've got to have bars for that. But ah. Well, just if you keep safe. <laughs> Zaka, it's your turn to pick. So, I do the okay. So I do the letters here yes. just to clarify. Like I can go back and forth. You can, can go back and forth. You can do just vowel. Nine consonant. is the most. Yep, nine at the most. You can four pick whatever. Okay. Maximum of four vowels. Minimum of two. I'm going to start with two vowels. Okay. Just to change it up. I, E. It's going for the consonants. I'm going to start with uh, three consonants. Oh. D. This is already looking As in good. D I E. Yeah. The in German. R. Ooh, this is already looking like R. Oh, that put a wrinkle in it. Just to let you know as well, if anyone gets a nine letter word, you actually get, do get double points. You get 18. I thought you got a teapot. That's if you win overall. Oh. I'm going to go with one more, another consonant. Oh, a T. A T. This is looking. I, I haven't really seen good. one of those yet. Okay. I'm gonna break. <laughs> I'm gonna break out another vowel. Oh, another I. That's unfortunate. And oh man, do I want another vowel? You get two you more letters. T- to two pick. more. Oh, to go. Go. Two. Two more letters to pick oh. up. Okay, I'm gonna go with another consonant first. Oh, oh another. T. This is like opening one of your packs of, of stickers, Michael. All these yeah. doubles. Uh, I'm gonna end with. I'm going to end with a, a vowel. He's going with a vowel. A U. A U. So your nine letters, if you're playing along at home, are I, E, D, R, R, T, I, T, U. Let's count down.
time's up. Pens down. I'm going to declare seven. Oh, I'm out. I, I have six, but oh, six you, you, you would probably wouldn't accept nine, but I have six. Oh, we'll see. Anna, how many? I have six. Oh. Six as well. I had five. Five. Okay, let's hear the five first. I had Ryder. Oh, nice. Why? I, I'm going to... Just because? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say mine before Anna because I think she has the same one as mine. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Tater. Oh. I mean, come on. We are the same person. But you said surnames only. Yeah, I said surnames no, only. But, but this is where I would argue. Tater is larger than life. It was life. like Pelly? Yeah. It was like Pelly? Sure. I'm, I'm going to give you, just because you're not going to get points anyway, <laughs> because I have dirtier. As in, Blas Perez is a dirtier player than any other white cap we have or had. Nice job, Michael. Yes. Told you I always wanted to be in this game in the telly. It's going into its 77th season. Started in, Very impressive. Started in 1982, before wow. Anna was even born. I remember that year. It was a very fine year. <laughs> it, was, it was windier than normal. <laughs> uh, it, 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 the rules are pretty simple, right? They don't change them all the time? It set rules from beginning to end. So opposite of MLS? Yes. Okay. We'll be back with more chat after this. Yep, it's the news radio theme, which can only mean one thing. It's time for BC's Soccer Web Headlines. This section of the show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. So, Steve, what have you found on the site this week? So, this week, uh, a lot of it was dominated, obviously, by uh, the... Uh, Premier League, the end of the transfer and everything like that, the transfer window ending, a lot of stories like that. But we were trying to find some other stories that were that were kind of now a couple stories that I just missed the cut. Um, one was um, a story about Ella and Aaron uh, Aaron McLeod uh, about how they won the Swedish Cup and um, uh, for their team. Um, another one is the supporters walking out after a banner was removed from their soccer game. Um, I think it was in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're anti-racism, anti-Nazi banner. Yeah. Because a sponsor <laughs> was uncomfortable with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> a, cu- oh, a couple of stories. Probably Coca-Cola. A couple of stories about um, how um, uh, English, uh, how the younger players in English Premier League are kind of moving on. Uh, one was uh, uh, from The Guardian about how people, uh, like younger players are going to Germany and Portugal um, to uh, get a get a better look and get better development, and then uh, about uh, a Chelsea player saying that Chelsea's a tough place to play because he's not getting time. He went to Watford. I think his uh, name was Nathan uh, Shalabaugh, uh Went into Watford. And now he was called up to the national team. So it was a, it was a big step for him. Three articles we're talking about. Um, one is uh, called Why Girona. Um, Manchester City's deals with Pep Guardiola's brothers raises questions. It's about how, uh, and, and this ties into another story we're going to talk about, the the, the okay. disneyfication of clubs like Manchester City keep showing benefits. 
It's basically about how uh, Manchester City and other teams like uh, uh, Dead Bull, like Zach likes to call them, um, are kind of getting satellite clubs all over the world and de- trying to develop players, trying to um, kind of make them uh, their clubs a franchise, essentially, and, and kind of give them a leg up on in their league and trying to make it uh, the whole thing a popular thing. So um, that's the one story. Um, and, and the one about the Girona thing, that's Pep Guardiola's brother. Um, he's basically an agent who is um, kind of helping players get into uh, – they're kind of using him to um, uh, recruit players to uh, different teams, whether it be New York City FC, Manchester City or whatever. Uh, one story uh, hitting close to home, uh, especially for you, Michael, that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Barcelona soccer star host, grandson of a Vancouver man killed in terror attack. Um, it was about um, – uh, the kid who uh, the the one uh, the grandfather was from White Rock. Um, they were in their trip to because they were going to play in a tournament, uh, kind of more of a training session kind of tournament. And um, a story about them and uh, Michael. You actually uh, your wife works w- uh, with the mother yes in the v- VPD. And then how uh, Barcelona kind of uh, the team found out about this. They didn't actually uh, uh, tell anybody, but he, they found out and then they kind of. Uh, uh, greeted him, uh, spent some time with him, and to try to make it uh, a little uh, less of a, uh, a sad story, and try to build uh, build him up while the grandmother is still recovering in the in the hospital. I mean, the, the plan I believe is they're going to fly the grandmother to Edinburgh when she's healthy enough, and then they're going to just going to meet up there. But I mean, a terrible story. Things like this can just happen anywhere these days. It's just so so sad, but. They all love football. I, I really hope the Whitecaps do something for the family when they come back because they are Whitecaps fans. It would be nice to get them along to a game and just just do something nice for them here as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's crazy the story because the, the father and the son, they were going to go with them to the yeah. thing, but they decide last second they're going to go to the beach. And it's just amazing how these things happen. And it, you it, make one decision and it goes one way. Heart-wrenching story yeah. as well that... Fiona, the the mum, saw, saw her photographs. Parents, yeah. yeah, on the telly, just lying on the ground, and you just can't imagine like what goes through your mind at, at something like that. It's kind of a tough transition, but Zach, you had a lot you wanted to talk about the Disneyfication of the sport, and it's saying it's showing benefits, but you have a different look at it. Yeah, first off, the 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 story of this family who went over for the FC Barcelona camp or whatever it was, yeah, is tragic and sad and. Yeah, we wish them well as they grieve and uh, as they as everyone eventually comes back. Um, yeah, I mean, the, what, what's happened with Dead Bull and the Man City group, and uh, there's there's a few others actually in reading that article and then reading the Girona one as well. Uh, basically, uh, like what what Dead Bull did was, yeah, they they bought a bunch of different clubs and initially like. Salzburg was supposed to be like their it was their great hope get them into the like you know raise them up well, well first off change their color and uniform and all that kind of stuff destroy the history of their club but get them to a place where they're in the Champions League making big money um and all that kind of stuff and then as they bought these other clubs they uh Salzburg is now not not so important to the setup so, so yes. Leipzig is really the is really become the the primary one that usurps resources from the others. Well, there was also the questions: could they play against each other in Europe and stuff? That as was well. an incredibly disappointing. Yeah, it felt like a very spineless uh, decision by UEFA to allow that to happen. 
which, as both those articles point out, is really an open make it made it an open season for these MCOs, which are multi club multi club ownership. Yeah, and so I, I, yeah, it's more it's more this is more about business than football, unfortunately. I mean, sure, scouting and whatever and getting players is obviously that's part of football, but it's about how to do that cheaper. Um, the Girona article talks about, you know, having a place. The, the club is now in La Liga. Man City now has a place where they can just loan out players really easy. I think they have five of them on loan. Players so that young players who aren't going to play in City's first team, but they can still play at a very high level and and uh, and develop. And maybe one day either play for them or be sold for, for, for big money. And so... Yeah, I yeah the the Disneyfication, you know these franchise this franchise model. It, yeah, it might be paying off, or they might see it as paying off in the short and or long term, financially. But I don't think it's I don't think it's healthy. And I don't think it's good for the game. And you've seen you've seen massive revolt to this in in, in Germany, especially and even in, in Austria, um, about what Deadpool has done, and they are because of because not because of how they've done things, they are like. The least least liked or the most hated club in the whole country, totally. And um, uh, I I think uh, I think it's 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 been an issue right now for MLS. A lot of people aren't too happy with New York City FC and how they're because it's it, if you think of it that way, they could loan they could get loanees from Man City and they over, have, and they have and, and and it basically barely has the cap and they're just getting really talented players for n- no price at all and they it basically usurps the uh, uh, cap system where everybody else has to deal with it. Well, the example actually given in the article is not about players; it's about Patrick Vieira as a coach yeah. and Man City seeing him as a huge asset that they have that they can develop him as a coach at a at a. I forget what the article said, but basically, like a respectable league well, it's at a, it's good a level, high level, and then there's no relegation. Yes, you, so you don't have to worry if he's terrible or if something goes wrong. Your cl- the club's not going to go down. We are only eight points safe, like eight points away from being mathematically safe. By the way, of relegation. Oh, if there was relegation, yeah. that's good. We, we Vancouver. Should, yeah. Oh. Um, another article that I forgot to uh, put. I, I sent to you guys, but I forgot to put it up here. Um, the story of Madonna. Oh, yeah. uh, moving to Portugal uh, because her son's joining the Benfica youth so, system. It didn't say that. Was she living in LA? Was she living in London? Where was she living? I think she was living in London for yeah, a while. Yeah, she's had a accommodation in London. But so I think like Anna's going over to see her. Right. But Did, now it's Benfica for sure. But so, so my my one question when I thought about this is like, because I, I thought maybe she was in LA, but whether it's London or LA, like, is like. How has her 11-year-old son, who must be respectably good if Benfica wants him, who missed out on him or what happened in his home situation that – like in his home cl- – uh, the club in his area that they yeah. are – they haven't taken – they haven't – maybe they haven't uh, val- evaluated him in the same way or seen the promise in him in the same way, but – Or maybe they saw him and he wanted to go to somewhere else and, and develop. Maybe somebody told – maybe his agent or whoever, his advisors told him to go somewhere else. Don't go in England. Yeah. Develop somewhere else. Or maybe he's not very good, but they fancy getting some publicity by taking Madonna's son. There you go. But, but Benfica, Benfica does not does seem it, like a club that no, does that. No, probably not. But that, that was BC's Soccer Web headlines there. Now it is time for Wavelength. Before we go to the music, I want to say, I don't know if it's just because Anna's here, but you've done far less dancing today than normal in the studio. Wait till Wavelength. Okay, okay that's what, okay, good. This song has everything. It starts off a little bit like Justin Bieber's Sorry. Oh. Then he goes into a little bit of Craig David, 
Then it ends with some Welsh rap. Yeah, this is the rap song. I forgot. Yes. Oh, okay. This we're is going to be entertaining. We're going Someone back. Someone needs a video of this. We're going back to 2016. Modern. Just last summer. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Wales's top rappers, Goldie Looking Chain. As I mentioned, you'll, you'll know them from some of their, their earlier hits. And this is a song that they did in tribute to Wales' performance in the Euros last year. And trying to spur them on to do well in the World Cup qualifying. And they got a fantastic result against Austria on Saturday. Screamer of a goal from their talented 17-year-old. Well, phones will be as good at that when he's 17. We'll find out. But this is Goldie looking chain with Wales. Now it's time to dream. For all those times that we never qualified. And it's more than just national pride. You think that it broke my heart. But I never gave up thinking we could get to the Euros or the World Cup. And I didn't want to write a song. Cause I knew the many street preachers had already done one. And it's really good. My missus don't like football, but she watched every game. And now she knows every Wales player's name. I got caught up thinking that we could win the whole thing. Anything's possible when the Welsh crowd sing. And if you thought the Wales was a one-man team, maybe you should go play with yourself. If you think that that is the last you've seen, We'll bounce back like a trampoline. Wales, now it's time to dream. Oh, mate, it's a bit on the soft side, eh? Let's have a couple of drinks and take a full Craig David. Making moves, yeah, ball on the floor. On comes folks as a sub, and he's going to score. From the front to the back, yeah, we're all in attack. You know, you know, Wales is gonna do it like that. Hang on a minute, can we just do a rap instead? This is the rap bit, the classic cliche. It's a game of two halves at, at the, the end, end of the, of the day. day. Dot the I's, cross the T's. They worked off their socks, they, they was in the lead. lead. It was textbook, stepped up, up to, to the plate. plate. Wales done good and the boys done great. We might be coming home, but we're not giving up. Next time, boys coming home with the World, World Cup. Wales knocked you out. Russia, Wales knocked you out. Northern Ireland, Wales knocked you out. Slovenia, Wales knocked you out. Belgium, Wales knocked you out. Other places, Wales knocked you out. Those are Wales knocked you out. England, Iceland knocked you out. Yeah, I love the World Cup. Don't know where it is next time. Probably Brazil or something, but Wales is going. And we're going to win it for your nan. Big up to Neville Southall. A massive respect to Dean Saunders. One got a massive car park fine for the short to pack in. Dean Saunders, fuck. I'm feeling Ian Rush coming on. Wicked. Craig David. I'm like a Welsh job, but on the mic. Yeah, only not as good like, you know. Wicked.
Goldie looking chain there with Wales. Now it's time to dream. But everyone was loving that in the studio, dancing about, loving the rap. I'm I'm surprised at how good it was. It, to be completely yeah. honest, I thought it was going to be way worse than that. Got a great punk one lined up next week. That middle part was shocking. Maybe. Goldie looking chain, as I mentioned earlier, had a couple of big hits. Guns don't kill people. Rappers do. And no, and no other ones. Their smash hit, Your Mother's Got a Penis. Which, the tale I had to tell you about that was East Fife were away at Gretna. And there was a segregation fence between the fans. So there's all these kind of kids, maybe 10, 11, at the segregation fence. Like, shouting abuse at us and, like, flicking us the Vs and everything. And I'd heard Your Mother's Got a Penis, but this is before anyone really knew who they were. So I just yelled back at him, Your Mother's Got a Penis! No one had any idea of what I was going on about. I had to explain it was a song. <laughs> I, th- I liked that. I'm sure that went over really well. It did. Yeah. And now Gretna went bust. So yeah. who's laughing now? <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, Goldie Looking Chain, check them out. They've been going for a, a long, long time. And they've got some more football songs as well. Most of them have swearing in it, so I've not played any of those yet. Anyway, now it is time for the final round of Caps Does Countdown. Welcome back, everybody, to round four of Caps Countdown. I want you to say there's more dancing to the, the theme song than there was to the wavelength. There was. It's a catchy tune. It's a tune. really good theme song. It's a really good TV show. Actually, there was a lot of dancing during that song, but Michael wouldn't let us video him. No. I was videoed singing Slipknot in karaoke once on an away <laughs> trip, and that, that was dreadful. In PDX? I lot. In PDX? It was in Fife on the way down uh, to PDX, like Fife, Washington. Right. That was the time we went down and they were all doing country songs and we found all these thrash and punk things on their their karaoke list. Then a year later we went back and all those discs had gone. Anyway, it's time for round four of Caps Does Countdown. And Zach, Anna, no scores so far. You basically need to get nine little words here to win. It's between myself and Steve. Steve's on five points. I don't think I'm going to get seven. (laughs) I have 12. There's chocolate on the line. Steve loves chocolate. Pick your letters. First letter is an I. He's going for a vowel. It's an I. O. Oh, it's an E. Three vowels to kick us off. Consonants. R. S. F. Ooh. F. And another F. So you have two to go. P. He's going for another consonant. Um, okay, so there's eight, and I'm going to go for one more consonant. Oh. An M. An M there. So the letters in this last round are I, O, E, R, S, F, F, P, and M, as in M for magic. Let's count down, everyone. Time is up. A difficult selection of letters there. I'm going to declare five. I got four. I got four. 
I got six. Ooh. Okay, Steve, what is your four? I I, I had two. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say both. I sore because you're sore after a game. Yes. And then pies. Yes. I think you would have. I had pies game. as well. Yeah. I just had firm. Firm. I thought you would have had pies. Oh, firm like you, uh, the supporter. Yeah, you could also had firms for five if you put an S at the end. But just okay. Uh, my five was fries. Because, obviously, in North America, you don't really have pies, so you have fries. So, Anna, to take the points and finish second, what is your six? Uh, froze. As in Kian's froze. Oh. There's not enough ease. There's not enough ease. There's two oh. e's in there. Oh. That, that was going to be, as soon as it's reading letters, I was like, oh, go for that last vowel. Oh, unlucky. So, you finish with zero. <laughs> Zach, you finish with zero. So, tied for third. Shocking, that. Yes. Second runner-ups, I believe that is what it's called. Steve. Uh, Steve is runner-up with five, and I won my own game with 17. <laughs> you should be on the show. Yeah, I really should. I've always wanted to be on it. Even more so now that Rachel Riley is... Is, is 17 a good score? Or No. Normally, people would get seven-letter words, eight-letter words, nine-letter words. But because I had the football thing. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. But I wasn't going football. I was just going anywhere. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I hope that was fun. We'll maybe play that again sometime soon. And if you want to be on Caps Countdown, let us know and we'll maybe call you up one week and you can take part via telephone. Did we get any tweets for answers? Oh, I forgot to check Twitter during the I think everyone's show. asleep right now. Yeah. I, <laughs> Luckily. At five past one, they probably are. This podcast is going to be so tight. It's just going to be amazing. <laughs> Um, it, feel free to cut out where I couldn't spell Keon's Frozen's oh. last name right. <laughs> no, we're going to, you bigged that up so just much. Just cut it out. Just no, cut you, it right out. No, you, you spelled it right. You just used a letter twice, I think. You, you got a big oh from everyone. And anyway. then disappointment. Yes. Much like the white caps. Whoa. Hopefully not, we're, we're going to win. Anyway, just before we wrap up this week's episode of the show, let everyone know where they can find you online. And let's start with... The girl that has not enough ease, Anna. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Anna Namshiren. She's got two A's. And two N's. On Twitter, I'm at Zachary AM, and I'm part of the Movement Curver Collective. I'm Steve, and you can find me at Whitecaps Beat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a follow on Instagram, AFTN Soccer. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. We'll be back next weekend reviewing the RSL game. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the caps. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.